0: Welcome, Treehouse listeners. Today, we're going to be talking about something really important as it relates to parenting and discussing one of my very favorite parenting strategies, which is being curious. So what does that mean, you ask? I'll tell you, because you're curious. It means asking a lot of questions and putting things together in a framework where you're really trying to understand your child's perspective. One of the biggest things that we can do when relating to any person, not just our child, is to be open, to be a good listener, and to be understanding of their perspective. Now, all of that seems very pie in the sky and maybe a little bit foofy and hard to pull down and make less ambiguous. So I'm going to break it down a little bit more today as to what does that really mean? What does that really look like in each situation from toddler to teen or even with your spouse? So... I want you to picture most recently, maybe a difficult conversation or situation you've been in. And if you're really trying to get your point across, as psychologists would tell us, the first thing to do would be to make the other person feel heard or to make them feel right in some capacity. So that first step is what you need to do when it comes to relating to your child, when they're having some kind of challenge communicating with you. So you're in this difficult situation, and the first thing you want to look at is what is their behavior communicating to me in this moment? So that requires us to do what? Oftentimes it requires for us to put down our agenda or put down whatever lesson we want to bring to the table in this moment and really see or hear our child and what they're trying to communicate to us with their behavior. Now what I mean by that is when you're looking at behavior, you're seeing a set of external things whether it's you know whining or stomping their feet or throwing toys or if they're a little older they may be being sarcastic talking back slamming bedroom doors you know things like that so you're looking at these kind of behaviors and you're trying to be curious as to what exactly that communicating what do they need do they need to feel safety do they need to feel like you're listening do they need to feel love do they need to feel like you trust them And in that moment, and it's obviously very challenging to do because you're generally upset as well, but in that moment, how can you address that communication message before you address their behavior? So oftentimes when I'm talking in our parent communication workshops, we talk about understanding the belief behind the behavior and knowing that how you define someone's behavior is going to guide your intervention. So that means if I'm defining your behavior as disrespectful, my intervention may look like me trying to get you to respect me. And as we know, we can't make people respect us. So if you're defining them as disrespectful or naughty or, you know, spirited, but in a, in a negative way, then you're seeking control. And if you're seeking control, then again, that's something active that you're doing versus trying to understand and taking a little bit more of a passive role in trying to understand and read the communication partner's cues. So what are the specific steps, though? Because I do have those written down here to share with you today. So as a speech and language pathologist, the thing that I think I can kind of superimpose on top of a parenting strategy is really communication strategies as well. So how do you modify language for the age of the child? So what I'm going to do is first kind of go through these suggestions as to how we would be clear in conversation, and this will, be, this will be useful across any situation with any person that you're speaking to in any situation in any relationship. And then after I go through these general points of how we're going to work through a difficult conversation, then we'll talk about how would you modify that to suit a, a toddler and how we modify that to suit a teen or maybe an adult or young adult so a very first important part would be putting aside your agenda which we talked about and what you want them to learn you have to get across why you think you know best, and that's where we get stuck in our heads, trying to get this across. Like, we have a reason we're telling you this. We have a reason we want you to learn this. And those, yes, those reasons are important, but the important part is timing as to when you're telling them these reasons. That can wait. The the lesson can wait. The teachable moment can wait till everyone is more calm. And if you need to know a little bit more about being calm, go back to our Kind and Firm podcast where we break down the brain in the palm of the hand. We have that as a handout Um, on every single podcast, I think, but that is the brain in the palm of the hand handout speaks to that fact that when you're upset, you're working from your brainstem. So you're not necessarily working from that higher level brain that tells you to be reasonable and calm and find the right word and, you know, negotiate. So you're waiting with your opinion or your agenda. You're waiting until the right time to interject that your first goal is to put aside that agenda and not dominate the person, but to really see them and hear them. The second thing, the being curious part, of course, is asking questions. And you're actually waiting for those answers. On average, we give kids maybe two to four seconds to respond, tops. But you might have that teenager that gives you just the quick, I don't know. And quite frankly, they don't know. And that's why they need more time. And so quickly, we usually answer for them. When they don't know, then we tell them what they should know. And then we go round and round and nobody's really heard. But really waiting... Asking things like, well, if you did know, what would you say? Or, here's what I'm noticing. Could it be this or this? Or just giving a lot of pause time. It's not unheard of to sit for two or three minutes in silence and just expect an answer. If you're not giving your child that pause time, then they're not used to soul searching. They're not used to thinking deeply about their feelings. And they're not used to thinking that you even really want to know. So being careful with how quickly you respond to your own questions setting aside any sarcastic remarks or doozies or anything you really want them to know in that moment and just asking the questions and truly waiting with curiosity for their answer Uh, a third really important point would be eye contact and head nodding with no distractions that means ignoring your phone that means putting your phone on silence in the evenings or during homework time or any time that you think there's going to be a, a difficult transition. At mealtime or bedtime, if you have younger kids, you're demonstrating that they are the most important person in the room. That they deserve respect, as you do. But if you're respecting your phone first and you're modeling that for them, or distractibility, or them looking at their own phone or their own screen, or in the future, when you're trying to have a conversation, you might be interrupted and that might really send you through the roof as you watch that unfold. The fourth thing is seeing their emotions, allowing those emotions, and then accepting their emotions. So you might have that child that's really upset with you, whether they're small or they're a teenager. They need something, they want something, it's not done their way, whatever it is, but they're upset. So is it your job in that moment to change them from being upset and calm them down? You know, if they're being unsafe, perhaps that's one thing. But really being curious, asking those questions and trying to just allow them to have that feeling, that's totally fine and how it should be. Your job as a parent is not to fix or rescue. Your job is to allow and accept emotions so that you can show them that having emotions are safe And sharing emotions are safe. And just because you're angry one moment doesn't mean we're going to be angry for the rest of the day or the rest of my life. And we still love each other. And anger is something we move through. It's not something we have to ignore. We can be angry with each other. We can have a productive conversation and we can move on. The timing of that might look different in each instance, but the general rule of thumb would be to see their emotion, allow that emotion, and to accept it as it is. Not changing it and trying to understand their perspective so that you can solve those problems. That builds mutual respect. I will throw myself under the bus even this morning. So I was waiting with my kiddo at the bus stop, actually, ironically enough, and he had forgotten his glasses. So we said, well, I, I forgot my glasses. I waited. I said, okay, well, it looks like you won't have your glasses today. Well, can you bring them to school? And unfortunately, I can't. I have... Too many things to do, and I have to get to work. He slammed the door, got out of the car. So later, I get a text sorry, I was mad. I slammed the door. I wanted to show you I was mad. And my response is I know you're mad. Unfortunately, I can't bring your glasses. That could have been handled differently, or I could have been offended or hurt or wanted to teach a lesson about not slamming the door. You know, I could have gotten caught up into the emotion of the moment. But what ended up happening is he was mad, I saw it, I allowed it, I accepted it, later I get this apology for it, and I hope in the future he remembers his classes. It's not a given, but hopefully what he sees is his big emotions don't scare me. I can be curious about those emotions, I can ask questions about those emotions, but changing it or fixing it or making sure he's not mad, that's not my job. His job is to manage his own emotions. That's obviously our end game here. Number five, the important part would be own your part in the discussion. So really important that as much as you really want to be heard, oftentimes people will be coming back, kids too, even little kids, with really strong observational skills about what you're doing or what you're saying. Have you ever been yelling and you scream, don't yell? Doesn't make any sense. Have you spanked a kid on the butt and then said, don't hit your brother? Doesn't make sense. So Children are always watching. They're always watching for what we're doing because adults as, as parents and as adults and caregivers and grandparents, we're quick to point out because we're always teaching those life lessons. And if we're stuck in that mode of teaching, teaching, teaching what we're doing, you know, we're missing out on the fact that those little, those little guys are also observing us and they're also seeing what we're doing because oftentimes they get a lot of those behaviors by the way we react to situations. So own your part in the discussion. What did you do that was not helpful? What did you do that was maybe requiring an apology? We're not perfect. As adults, we're always learning and shifting and growing, and our kids have a lot to teach us. So if you show them that, you're willing to listen, you're willing to own your part in the conversation, you're willing to reframe questions and ask again, or just willing to hear them out, you're modeling what you want them to do, which is to be open to feedback, to listen when you speak, to see allow and accept emotions you're trying to teach that on a two-way street really important to always when you're asking these questions to wait for that true answer don't just give them the quick interpretation of what you see because what you see is superficial you're not in their mind you need to wait for their answer wait for what they have to say don't set them up by the way it's not a curiosity question to come in and say what happened here in that kind of a tense tone or why did you lie to me When we're setting them up for those situations where their first reaction is not to be honest, but to be defensive, you're not going to get the true answer. You're going to get defensiveness, which is going to spin you into a cycle. So being curious takes a special kind of tone and you really need to tune in to do it. And it takes also, you know, maybe a little bit of yoga before you, before you jump in there, maybe a little meditation before you ask the question. (laughs) Number six, it's not all about winning, dominating or controlling. It's about loving the person respecting the person for who they are and what they feel and really attempting to honor that you're trying to figure out what they need while honoring what you need and it's a really delicate balance as you know in any difficult conversation you know it's it's hard to be the initiator it's hard to get feedback that we don't want to hear it's hard to hear the quote-unquote worst part of ourselves but we're quick to point that out for kids teenagers to toddlers we're quick to point out what they've done wrong or what they need to do better we would learn a lot from our kids if we would listen as well and we would model a lot so ask the question don't try to dominate or control the question is is a for real question it's not necessarily said with sarcasm Uh, another story that i remember from myself was when i was with my both my boys they were fighting and i decided that i wasn't really asking questions very curiously they were little and i was first learning how to do some of these things And I came into the room and I said, gosh, what happened? And I said it just like that with as much sincerity as I could gather, even though I was pretty sure I already heard everything that happened. And they both just stared at me for, you know, a long time. And I said, no, what happened? And my older son kind of snapped out of it and he said, oh, oh, you actually want to know. Oh, okay. I'll tell you. (laughs) And so I realized I probably don't ask questions with as much curiosity as I think, Since he wasn't even sure, I was asking a question. He was waiting me out. They were bearing my wrath. At least that's how I interpreted it at the time. Okay, so number seven, resolution is not always immediate. You can disrespect and hurt very, very quickly if you're not truly curious. And here's the thing, you're not always gonna like their answer when you ask these questions. You're not always gonna be okay with the way they feel. It might make you really uncomfortable which is why I think sometimes we don't ask questions with curiosity. We want to label things in a way, then compartmentalize in a way we already understand instead of really taking in how they feel. So ask those questions with curiosity, wait for the answer, and don't try to interpret for them. You have no idea what they're thinking. And oftentimes I have been so pleasantly surprised when I've asked the questions of my sons, the answers that I get in return. And this is when, from when they were little to now being almost 16 and 13, it's definitely a learning experience for me when I sit back, don't have all the answers and really ask them how they feel. So that takes us to matching language levels. So let's just talk about that real quick and what that means. If you're trying to be curious with a toddler, you're going to match their language level in terms of you're going to be less verbal because toddlers don't have strong verbal skills like an adult. You're going to use more gestures. You're going to use facial expressions. You're going to use wait time. You're going to maybe offer more hugs. So what you're going to do is direct with pointing. Oh, were you picturing going here or here? It seems like you are upset about getting your shoes on. Your face looks really concerned. Your eyes are all squinched up. You know, we're giving them direction as to how we're getting this information from the environment. And we're moving slowly, trying to help them navigate the situation. So we're not over-explaining, we're not giving too much information, we're not giving lengthy instructions, we're not judging their capabilities, but we're being really slow, steady, making our language very visual so they can picture what they need to do. We're shrugging our shoulders, we're reaching out for hugs, we're trying to match their language level and not overwhelm them in a situation that already feels kind of disempowering to them. With a younger kid, that kid that's becoming a little more reasonable, that school-age kid, you could ask him to be a little more introspective. So asking him, like, hmm, what happened? Or I see your foot's kicking him. I'm not sure why you're doing that. Or what did we learn from that? What could we do next time? So you're now putting on them a little bit more think inside think intrinsically what do we want to learn from this what happened that we didn't like and what could we learn going forward so it doesn't have to be a huge again life lesson but let's learn how to examine it let's learn how we know that that wasn't okay let's learn what the adult saw or the other person saw and how they interpreted it because oftentimes our kids are really unaware of how their behavior affects other people they're just starting to learn that perspective taking skill in those early grades So now, moving up to teenagers, obviously, you're hopeful that you can be even more introspective and you can ask them why they did and and said things, and you can encourage more deeper thinking about their feelings and using larger vocabulary words and showing them that you really, really want to know because oftentimes. We're arguing with a brain that's not fully developed yet and is in that defensive mode. They're starting to become that different individual. They're starting to try to find that sense of self and yet their parent is still telling them what to do or telling them how to think or telling them what they're doing wrong. So really listening as they're becoming that young adult, really listening to what they have to say, how they feel about things. Can be a really exciting time to learn more about who they're going to be um, eventually as they leave your home relatively quickly. So being curious is always the winner. Sarcasm, you know, quick little jabs, yelling, slamming doors, physicality, anything like that. Those things are not going to lead you to a greater connection with your child or really anybody in life. So when you're communicating, making sure you're communicating with ease, taking your time, and asking those questions that you need to ask, and really waiting for the answer. Remembering, you may not love the answer, but really being able to see, allow, and accept those emotions as they come. So, good luck, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.